this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Bible, go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Now last, oh, two, three weeks now we've been on the spirit of fear. It's important that we get this into our spirits, guys, what's going on here. One of our main texts that we've read is uh, 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7. And in verse 6, the apostle Paul said to Timothy, I remind you to stir up the gift within you. Now, when you look at that, there was a gift residing on the, the inside of Timothy, but it was dormant. It was not in operation. And you ask yourself this question, why was that gift not being used? I believe verse 7 taps into that, and, and Paul said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, the New International Version says, a spirit of timidity, which jumps over into the word intimidation. And with every one of us, guys, when we don't use the gift that God given us, we give up the authority that he's given us. And what ultimately begins to happen is that gift lies dormant. Now, some of the, the symptoms of, of uh, intimidation is confusion, frustration, and even discouragement. A lot of times when that begins to happen in your life, when, when you're frustrated, when you're discouraged, when you're discontented in life, sometimes that will come that, that something is intimidating us. From, from doing what God has called us to do or God desires us to do. Now let's begin in verse 35. Hebrews 10 verse 35. Therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward. Now he wouldn't warn us or to tell us to be careful not to cast away our confidence if that wasn't a possibility. Listen what the Amplified says for that verse. It says, do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. Where does that fearless confidence come from? Well, it can only come from God, guys. But many times in our life, we have this mindset. Well, I'm just waiting until I don't feel fear to act. I'm just waiting till I don't feel fear to move forward in life. Well, the problem with that thought is, is you're going to waste or ruin your whole life waiting on that to happen. Because he never did say we're to wait till we don't feel fear. We just got to begin to get to the place where we act. Now, pretending that it doesn't exist, guys, it never makes it disappear. I've done that before where I sat there and thought, well, if I just ignore this, it's going to go away. Not. Just not going to happen, Okay. Some of the most vicious or dangerous enemies we can ever fight are the ones that are hidden. Now go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10. 2 Corinthians 10, I want to get a little bit more into you until we move on to where we, where we ended last week. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, don't, don't cast away your fearless confidence, which has great reward. And let that get on the inside of you. In other words, he's saying, rise back up, get back up. Don't quit, keep running. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, 
We do not war according to the flesh. Now, Paul right here is not denying that he's a mortal being. And he's not denying that he lives in this present world. But you know what he is saying? My weapons are not of this world. And so when we talk about a, a spirit of fear or a spirit of intimidation, guys, it must be fought accordingly. What do you mean by that, Well, You're not going to defeat the spirit of fear by positive thinking, positive talking. You're not going to uh, defeat the spirit of fear by a psychologist. That's not going to happen that way. Actually, we're going to have to look what the Word of God says and get a hold of this. Now, it gives us a nugget right there. Uh, the, the weapons we have are, are not carnal, okay? Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the weapons of our warfare. So when he talks about the weapons of our warfare, what are our weapons? Do we know what our weapons are and do we know how to use them? Now he said the weapons of our warfare, it tells me I'm in a war, you're in a battle. What are some of the weapons of our warfare? Well, in your reading, look at Ephesians 6 verses 10 through about 18. It talks about being strong in the Lord and it says that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. And then he goes on to say, put on the weapons and he lists our armor. Now to give you one of them that really pertains to this, Ephesians six seventeen says, the, the, the spirit or the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit which is the word of God. So when I think about that, at times the word of God is, becomes a weapon for me. I've got to speak the word of God. Now, to give you an illustration of that, Jesus did the same thing. In Matthew chapter 4, when he was being tempted by the devil, in Matthew 4, 4... Matthew 4, 7, and I believe it's Matthew 4, 10, on three different occasions. You know what Jesus said to the devil? It is written. It is written. And so, as Jesus used that as a weapon, me and you got to get a hold of that, guys. I got to get a hold of the Word of God, and you got to get sassy with the devil. You got to talk back to him, okay? He, he, he is persistent. That's about the only credit I can ever give him. What's another one of our weapons? Well, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. In Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, I give you authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions, demonic forces, listen to this, and over all the power of the enemy. So you know what Jesus is saying? Here's authority. You use it. What is that authority? It's the name of Jesus, guys. It's the name of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, i got to get that on the inside of me. Listen, if we could see into the spirit realm, if we could see into hell, when someone speaks the name of Jesus and has, has a boldness about it and believes that in your heart, I believe it literally paralyzes the devil. I believe, guys, when you study, they tremble at that name. They shake at that name. And so right here, he gives us some insight now. Here's the next question as far as uh, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. What are these weapons for? Well, look what he says. For the pulling down of strongholds. 
a stronghold. What's a stronghold? Anything that's got a stronghold on your life that isn't of God. It's got you in a headlock and it leads you around like this. You know, strongholds are always birthed out of a lie. Remember, the devil is the father of lies. So he begins to lie to you and lie to you. And before long, you begin to live that lie and it becomes bondage. Even with the spirit of fear. Now jump into verse 5 with me. Listen to what he tells us we must do. Cast down arguments, theories, and reasonings, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, strongholds, guys, I believe this, are first established in our mind. Every one of us. That's where he tries to get access. Now, what did he tell us to do? He said to take every thought captivity. When you begin to have thoughts in your life that don't up, line up with the word of God, you've got to get that junk out. You've got to say, no, in the name of Jesus, that's not what the word of God says. This is what God said. When the devil tells you you're going to fail, you say, no, uh -uh. God says that, that, that I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Now, I'm getting ready to give you a, a great nugget tonight. If you don't write anything down tonight, you may want to write this down. Thoughts are seeds of my future deeds. So what you begin to meditate on, what you begin to think about, you will ultimately walk in that, okay? Every one of us in this room, we got to understand that. What you begin to meditate, I'll guarantee you, if you meditate on failing, you talk about failing, you're going to fail. That's where it begins. But when I begin to stick the word of God in my mind, and I begin to quote it, and I begin to meditate it, where is that found? That's Joshua chapter 1. And the Lord told Joshua, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. So part of my, i got to speak the word. Speak the word. And he said, and that you meditate on it. You know what meditate it is? You rehearse it over and over and over. And he said, that you may observe to do it, and then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. That's for every one of us in here, okay? So there's some nuggets right here that we got to see. Don't, don't cast away your confidence. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. But also begin to get the word in you, okay? I don't care what you're going into, get the word of God. Find the, what the word of God says and begin to speak it. You know, in, in my life for, for years, guys, I had issues with sleepwalking. Many of you have heard this, and I'm telling you, it got to be a spirit of fear. It tormented me. Into my early 20s, guys. Man, it's a lot cooler down here. You guys ought to be happy. <laughs> I tell you, guys, when I go to bed at night, I was, I was, I was tormented because I didn't know what was going to happen. And many of you have heard, man, over and over, I, I could get outside. I, you, you could have 10 deadbolts. I could get out of a second-story building or my room, my apartment, and go down without a ladder. And I'd wake up, and I couldn't figure out how it was. And you talk about when you woke up, and, and you were tormented just by fear. Well, when I got born again, you know what? I began to understand the character of God. And you know what? That wasn't God. God didn't want me to sleepwalk. But, man, I'm telling you, it was bombarding me. So you know what? I had to find out what the Bible says. 
What's the word of God say? Here's just some scripture, Psalm 127, 2. Proverbs 3, 24, Psalms uh, 4 and 8. Almost every one of those guys deals specifically with this. I give my beloved sweet and peaceful sleep. Well, you know what I begin to realize? That's me. I'm his beloved. That's you. And so right there, he promised us that. So you know what I begin to do? Instead of yielding to that spirit of fear, I begin to meditate on the word. I begin to transform my mind and say, this is what the word says. God says that when I lie down, my sleep will be sweet and peaceful. And so I started speaking it. And I'd lay hands on him and say, in the name of Jesus, this is what's going to happen. It happened the first night, didn't it, Pastor? No, it didn't. No, it didn't. And see, that's where we miss it a lot of times as believers. When it doesn't happen immediately, we say, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I've had people say to me, Pastor, we, we quoted those scriptures over our children for a whole week and nothing happened. Well, duh, took you 20 years to get into that mountain. The word of God will work. So what'd you do? I kept quoting it. I kept quoting it. Guys, guess what? I quote that to this day. I'm in my 50s. I know that's shocking to some of you that I'm that old, but I am. But I'll quote before I get in bed. I'll say, Woo, I thank you, Father. You've given me sweet and peaceful sleep tonight. And I'm going to tell you right now, guys, I sleep like a baby. Do you sleepwalk? What's that happening? How'd that happen, guys? I begin to speak the word of God. That's the same as you. Speak that in areas of life. But what? What you got to do is you got to find out scripture that pertains to your life. Get a hold of it. Get a hold of it. And then you know what you got to have? You got to have bulldog faith. You chomp down on that stuff and you don't let go. You keep quote, quoting that. Start quoting that over your children. Keep quoting that over them. Some of you got kids that sleepwalk. Some of you got kids that want to sleep with you every night. And begin to speak the word of God. That's a curse for your kids to sleep with you. I'm just kidding. That's just my thought. All right, go, go to uh, 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, as you're turning there, this is where we ended last week. Let me fill in the blanks because I cannot go back all over that and get where we need to. There was a man named Elijah. He was the man of God. And I'm telling you, Elijah had that gift in him stirred up. And if you were here last week, you saw it. He was bold to that king named Ahab. Remember, he said to Ahab, he said, listen, buddy, it's not going to rain again until I tell you it's going to rain. And then before long, there was the big duel with uh, Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. And you remember that man, Elijah began to talk junk to him. He talked trash to him. And said, watch what my God will do. And ultimately, guess what? God moved and Elijah had the 450 prophets of Baal executed. Then in that same chapter, Elijah tells his little, a little helper, he said, listen, go tell old King Ahab it's fixing to rain. Tell him to get his, his umbrella out and his, his slickers because it's fixing to rain. And you know what it did? It rang. It rang. Now, I want to rehearse just a little bit, review chapter 19, verse 1, and this is going to show you something. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me. And more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them tomorrow about this time. So you know what she tells him? Listen, buddy, tomorrow about this time, just like you killed those prophets of Baal, that's what I'm going to do to you. And, and when you look at all this passage here, you would think, 
Oh, Elijah's going to look and say, who do you think you are? But look what happens in verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left the servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and sat down under a broom tree. And there he prayed that he might die. It is enough now, my Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And so all of a sudden, this woman who was operating by the spirit of fear and by the spirit of intimidation, she goes after him. And instead of rising up and confronting it, what does he do? He runs to the point of, I just want to die. Pick up with me in the same chapter here, verse 9. This is where we ended. And there Elijah went to a cave and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now he knew what Elijah was doing. But you know what he was saying to Elijah? Think here a second, but what are you doing? What are you do- You know better than what you're allowing to happen. Keep reading verse 10. So Elijah said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. I'm the only one that's serving you, God. A little bit of self-pity here. Verse 11. Then he said, the Lord said to him, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind in the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... A still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? In other words, God was showing him, Elijah, you know how great I am. You know how awesome I am. So once again, he says to him, What are you doing here? And look at Elijah's response this time in verse 13. So it was when Elijah heard that he wrapped his face in the mantle. I'm going to verse 14. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I am left and they seek to take my life. Same response, guys. He didn't change one bit. Verse 13. Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And listen to this. And Elisha, the son of Japheth of Abel, Mahola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. And you know what I believe he was telling him here? If you're not going to use the gift I've put in you, I'll find someone that will. And if you're not going to complete the assignment that I gave you, you're going to live in self-pity and those things, then I'm going to find somebody that will complete the assignment. And you know who he found? He found Jehu and he found Elisha. And you know what he was saying here to him? You didn't fulfill what I wanted because you bowed and you ran from this woman named Jezebel who was really the instigator of Baal worship. But you wouldn't do what I've asked. I'm with you. 
And so the, old, the whole entire nation, except for those, their 7,000 prophets, they followed the bells because Elijah didn't do what God asked him to do. Now, ultimately here, guys, this guy named Jehu, he ends up killing her. He, he kills Jezebel. Let me tell you a little bit here, just a second, just some thoughts that I begin to get out of this. Would any male, would he bow to a woman physically? For the most part, no. For the most part, no. I mean, I, I, you know, there may be some tough women in here, but for the most part, I mean, a man, he's not going to bow to a woman physically. What I want you to see here, guys, this isn't a physical battle. This was a spiritual battle. Now, this woman named Jezebel, guys, she yielded to these spirits. Now, what happens, guys, anytime we deal with these spirits, you've got to understand, I'm not dealing with people. I'm dealing with the devil inside them. To understand this a little bit more, what's going on in this woman, turn to 2 Kings chapter 9. 2 Kings 9. And we're just going to read one verse, verse 22, because Scripture is going to reveal something to us, the nature of this spirit behind this woman. 2 Kings 9, verse 22. Now, it happened when Joram saw Jehu that he said, Is it peace, Jehu? So he answered, What peace? As long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many. When you see the word harlotries there, many times that is a metaphor for idolatry. So what he was saying here, he said, the issues is that Jezebel is full of idol worship. So what goes on here, just as a harlot would be disloyal to her husband, an idolater is disloyal to God. So she begins to invite this spirit in because of her disloyalty to God. The second thing he says here, he ends with, and her witchcraft are so many. One translation says, it was an abundance of witchcraft. A lot of times, we view witchcraft as a joke. We, we view witchcraft as something you would see on Disney. Hollywood. Witchcraft, guys, isn't about some ugly woman with a wart on her nose flying around on a broom. That's not what it is. When you look at witchcraft, the root of witchcraft is to control. Anytime a witch begins to put a, a spell, a curse on someone, what it is that for? To control them. So this woman here, guys, not only did she yield to a spirit of intimidation, she intimidated him. There was a spirit of control that went after him. Now let me ask you this question in saying that. Is there anything in your life right now, any person that tries to control you in an ungodly way? You can almost always guarantee, guys, that that spirit is behind it. 
If anyone always tries to control you to get you to do things that are ungodly, you can almost guarantee where the root of that comes from. And you know what I'm even seeing right now? I see a spirit of intimidation that falls upon parents. What does that mean? They're intimidated by their own children. I don't want to discipline them. I would rather be their friend than their parent. And when I begin to pray and see this stuff, you know what? I said, Lord, you've got to give me scripture for that. And you know where he took me? He took me to Eli and his, and his sons. And Eli feared his sons more than he feared God. That's next week, okay? Some of you need to hear this. That I do not yield to this. And so what ultimately happened with this great man of God named Elijah, he bowed to that spirit of intimidation and control. You know why? He wouldn't confront it. And it's the same with me and you. If something in your life is intimidating or controlling you, you've got to confront it. How do we confront it? With the Word of God, with the name of Jesus. You're going to have to bow down. I mean, buckle down, guys, and say, Okay, Lord, fill me with the things of God. Rise up. Rise back up and quit allowing this. And it's the same for me. Over and over I hear the Lord saying, Rise up. Don't put up with that in your life. Don't put up that within your home. Now, go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2. This is what we'll end with. And as you're turning to Genesis 2, what you don't confront in life, guys, will not change. Okay? It will not change. And when evil is ignored, it gets stronger. It's not like the devil backs up. The devil is like a snowball. He gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you know what? He's going to keep taking. He's going to keep taking. And you can look at the goal of the devil's John 10, 10. I came to kill, steal, and destroy. But I must confront. And when I look at that, man, this is just coming to me right now. Ultimately, what happened with Elijah? I want to die. I want to die. Can you imagine what the devil was thinking when Elijah said that? Well, this is the man of God. We got him. We got him. But here's another point to you guys. When God puts you in a position of authority, no matter what that position of authority is, you're responsible for the authority and the position he gave you. Parents, it's us. How do you know that? Genesis chapter 2, I want you to see this. Verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, and he said to him, tend it and keep it. Now, the Amplified says guard it. The New International, New International Version says take care of it. You can't tend it and you can't keep it unless you have the authority to do that. When you look at what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden, God said, here's the authority, boys. It's yours. It's yours. That's the same for me and you. And I'm going to re uh, 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 repeat Luke 10, 19. I give you authority. I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So right here, he gives, he gives Adam authority. When he gives Adam this authority, I believe God was fully aware that the devil was roaming. Just like the Bible says, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, the devil... 
He, he, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking him we may devour. See, so he's looking. He's looking for an opportunity. I believe God was fully aware that the devil was on the prowl. And I believe God understood this too with mankind. That if man yielded to the devil, there would be severe consequences. But when God saw and he witnessed Adam taking that apple, it, don't lose your salvation. It may have been a pear, it may have been mango. I'm just throwing that out there, okay? I don't know, you don't know either, okay? Really, it doesn't matter. He's eating fruit. Note in that passage, God didn't jump down from the balcony of heaven and knock it out of Adam's hand. God let him do it. You know why? God said, I gave you the authority. Keep it and tend it. That's the same with us guys right now. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. You know what seated means? He finished the job. He completed it. And he said in Matthew 16, 16, 19, I give you the keys of the kingdom. I give you the kingdom. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So you know what he did? He's pitched us the keys. And some of you are saying, God, when are you going to take care of the devil? Jesus was looking and said, listen, guys. I've already done everything I'm going to do. You've got the authority. Kick him out of your life. Kick him out of your family. Man, begin to rise up with this, guys. See, I can't, I can't play around with this. I can't play around with the devil. The devil plays for keeps. And so, man, I believe it's powerful right now to get in agreement. Some of you need to get in agreement with your wife. That's a prayer. I'm going to tell you, man, when two of you agree, grab her hand. And if you're not married, grab a good friend's hand and say, Let, let's pray, let's stand, Let, let's get busy in the kingdom of God. And let's believe God, let's stand, you know, and say, uh-uh, he's out, you're out, I'm kicking you out. And the devil may bluff you and say, you can't do that. You know what you do? You pull out your badge and say, there's a new sheriff in town. His name's Jesus on the inside of me. Let's stand up, let's stand up. Just giving you some tools tonight, guys. Do you know everything crud? No, guys. I'm so simple. This is like I'd be teaching to the sixth graders. Because that's about how I go right there. I believe Jesus was very simple. Speak the name. Speak the word. 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 No weapon formed against me will prosper. Speak the word. Speak the word, the word of God. There's power in the spoken word. Get behind me, Satan. I'm going to start singing for you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We honor you tonight. Lord, I know you're, you're aware of every one of us in this room, just as you are aware of Adam and Elijah. And your, your goal for neither one of them was to fail. And it's the same for every one of us in this room, Lord. And so right now, by the, the name of Jesus, we stir up the gift within ones, Lord. We stir that back up on the inside that they begin to run again. They run on the inside. They run on the inside, Lord. And I thank you for strength. You said in Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So, Father, right now we ask you to come on the inside of us. According to 1 John 4, for greater is he that's in us 
than he that's in the world, birth a fresh oil right here, right now. Birth a, a, an oil to rise up, to get back up, and start living what you died for us, the blessings in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. And I just sense this right now, guys, don't quit. Don't quit, don't roll over, okay? Get back up, get back up on the inside. Get back, you know, a righteous man will fall seven times, but he'll get back up. He'll get back and he'll keep speaking the word. He'll keep speaking the word. Because listen, the devil is on the prowl. The devil is not your friend. The devil is not a little Hollywood figure that runs around with little pointed ears and pokes you right in the bottom. That's not him. He's going to poke you, but it's not going to be that way. He wants to take you out, okay? You've got to understand, anything God created... He hates. He hates humanity. He hates marriage. He hates the family. You know why? Because God created every bit of that. And so you know what? Don't let him. Don't let him bluff you. I'm going to end with this. He walks about like a roaring lion. He walks about like a roaring lion. Doesn't say he walks about as a roaring lion. He walks about as a roaring lion. So I see him walking around and he's growling trying to bluff people. And that's how he'll, he'll intimidate you. And it says, seeking whom he may devour. If he could devour me and you anytime he wanted, don't you think he'd already done it? But when you begin to stand and say, uh-uh, no more, no more. Well, hopefully it stirred you up tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.